Hey guys, welcome back to Grace Unscripted. As always, I'm your host, Ben Falkenberg. My guest today is John Reeser, who is the founder of Shoulder to Shoulder Ministries in Mazatlan, Mexico. Our church does a bunch of mission trips down there, and we've partnered with him, and he's a really cool dude. He and his family, I guess a little spoiler alert, they moved from the United States down to Mexico, and they've lived there for years, and they're trying to to grow pastors down there and just help the gospel be spread to the people of Mexico. And so I had never met him, but as soon as he walked into the room, I, I knew we were going to be friends right away. He's got such an electricity for life, and he's just vibrant, man. I, I, I loved him. I could have talked to him forever. And so I know you guys are going to have fun listening to John. He's got such an energy for people and for the Lord, and um, he was an encouragement to me. So, guys, thanks for tuning in. I know, I know you're going to love hearing from him. Let's go. John, hey, how's it ben. going, man? It's good, good to see you. Thanks. It's good to see you, too. It's, good to meet you. It's good to meet you as well. You're in Ohio. Were you, did you just come in today? No, I came in uh, Saturday, late Saturday night. Okay. Are you here solo? I'm here solo, yes. Yeah. Probably nice. You got a little time, huh? Uh, no time. Lots and lots <laughs> of appointments. So yeah. when I get up here, when I get a chance to get up here, I uh, got a lot of people to see and uh, try to take advantage of my time. So you're living in Mexico Full time now, huh? Full time, man. All right, say the city for us to make sure I don't say it wrong. Okay, uh, we're we are in Mazatlan. Mazatlan, not Mazatlan. I don't even know what I was saying. I was like, I remember them talking about that, this place, and I was like, I think I'm saying that wrong. And I looked it up, Mazatlan. Yeah, I, we get all kinds of uh, mispronunciations, yeah. but it's okay. Everybody gets the picture. I'm good now. I practiced for like all day. I've been working on this Mazatlan, so okay. I'm gonna nail it if I say it wrong at all. I um, think everybody will me. understand. Yeah. Um, all right, so you are down there full time now. Um, you're down there with your wife Rachel. You have two sons right now, Daniel and Joshua. Yes, correct. That's correct. Um, how old are they? Uh, Daniel is my oldest. He's 24. Okay. And my youngest is Joshua, and he's 21. Okay. And so we brought you on today because I spent some time uh, reading about what you guys are doing. It's pretty cool stuff. I'm excited to talk about it. We love um, it. <laughs> so you created Shoulder to Shoulder Ministries. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so I want to talk about what that is. So what in the world is Shoulder to Shoulder Ministries? Uh, Shoulder to Shoulder is an organization that we created uh, to come alongside national, local churches in Mexico and to walk shoulder to shoulder, literally, with them as they are trying to fulfill the vision and mission that God has given the local church. And the reason that the Shoulder to Shoulder needed to be established is that as we planted a church originally when we first went to Mexico, um, I developed a lot of relationships with planters and pastors who were so struggling in their ministries, and the churches just never did thrive, hmm. never did move forward. And, and for us, that was a really painful thing um, in our heart. Our, our hearts hurt because... Um, you know, the church is, is Jesus' bride, you know, it's the, it's the bride of Christ, and, and we have a mandate, and to see the bride not fulfilling its mandate was very painful for us. So we decided to come alongside of the pastors and the churches and help them fulfill their mission, their vision. So what we do is we walk with them, um, we look to be a part of them um, growing so the, the local Mexican churches. The local Mexican churches. So our desire is to come alongside of them to help them grow, 
to help them thrive, to help them impact, and to help them reproduce. And that's a process. And so we're really focused on helping the churches uh, reach out into their communities and be the light and the living water in their communities. That's pretty cool. That's mm-hmm. awesome. All right. So I want before we get into everything that you guys are doing, which is pretty cool, and I looked up like um, I saw pictures of like the the center that you guys have and stuff. It's quite, it's awesome. It's yeah. really nice looking. That's, I was an, amazing, like, that's an amazing story. All yeah. on, on so I want to, well, I want to hear about that. But before we get there, I want to just figure out how this even came to be. All right. So you were living in um, North Carolina with your family, correct? Correct. Yeah. So how in the, how in the world does a family from the United States living yeah. in North Carolina end up in Mexico doing mission stuff? Yeah. So what, what, what year would this have been that when this started to even come about? And how did this come about? So we originally moved to Mexico in 2000, okay. year, year of 2000. Um, but getting there is kind of like a whole other story all of its own, you know. I mean, the, 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 the part beforehand is a big, big part of, you know, a person getting there. Um, I, grew up on, I grew up on the mission field. Uh, my dad was okay. a missionary bush pilot in Brazil. So I grew up in the most remote jungles of, of Brazil. Did you really? Yeah, from the time I was one until I was 16 years old. Wow. And that was a whole, that was a whole universe of experience all oh on its own. Oh, my goodness. You know, we could mil- a million stories. Five yeah. years of stories <laughs> in that alone right now. It, it, there are. Uh, that'll be for another day, though. Yeah. You know? um, and my wife was born and raised in Guatemala. Her parents were also missionaries, um, church planters, and disciplers in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, long story short, we met at Moody Bible Institute while we were preparing for serving the Lord with our lives. Chi-town. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, we, uh, when we finished, we got married, and we're right away planning to go to the field. Had already, we were already headed to Guatemala, ha- already had an assignment and everything. And in the, in the raising support process, she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And um, we decided, well, we're going to stay until we have our first baby, and then we'll go ahead and go. And uh, during that pregnancy process, uh, we came to realize that our baby had some real significant issues, um, and uh, he was born with some very severe neurological and physical issues that kept us from being able to go to the field. And so we spent the next 10 years um, just living a normal life. Uh, we moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, because I worked for U.S. Airways as a mechanic. Okay. Fixing all these airplanes, you all fly back and forth across the country. Now, did any of that have to do with the training from when you were a kid with your dad? Yeah, I learned a ton from him, yeah. And so I I gained a ton of knowledge working with him, learned how to take tear engines apart and rebuild them and all that kind of stuff. And then I got my certifications so that I could work officially with the airlines in in their maintenance department. And so for those 10 years in, in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, while our son was alive, uh, I worked with U.S. Airways, and we, we started some companies, and we helped to plant a church. And so it was a full life, but it, we weren't in missions. And in fact, yeah. it, it seemed like we were never going to get to the mission field, 10 yeah. years. Yeah. I call it our my 10-year desert prior <laughs> yeah. to going to the field. <laughs> okay, okay. And so what happens then? So your, your son passed, right? Yeah, so my oldest son, uh, he, he goes to be with the Lord. Um, and uh, God just starts moving circumstances just on the spot. He gives me a super uncomfortableness about where we are, a doubt as to being where we are. Um, he, he eliminates the job. Our finances change. Everything changes. And basically, I say God, God shoved us in this box, and he pointed his foot in the right direction and gave it a big boot, and we landed in the central part of Mexico in a state called Querétaro. Huh. 
And we, when we went down, we went down to plant a church. All right. So you go down there. Do you have, like, any connections, or how does this work? Or did we, you just sell all your stuff and be like, we're out? We're su- yeah. Did you have a support? Like, were you part of a, a organization or, like, a branch of the church, or what were you doing? So in a certain sense, as missionaries, we're kind of unique. Um, the majority of missionaries start out young. They get with a uh, mission organization. They get their training and schooling and everything. The mission organization helps them go through the process of everything that needs to happen in order to get to the field. Yeah. They go to so the like field. So you learn your language. They You're learn their language. And, yeah. yeah. Um, for us, it was very, very different. Uh, while we were in North Carolina, we were part of planting a church that God just blessed in an immense way, thrived immensely. And that church became our sending sending church. So gotcha. they caught the vision that God gave us about planting in Mexico, and they became our sending church. So we went down just with a sending church. We didn't go with a mission organization or anything like that. But once we got down there, we partnered up with a mission organization that was doing church planting in that area. Okay. And we said, we will plant for, for you as an organization, but we're here as independent missionaries. Gotcha. Did you, did you speak the language? My wife's my wife spoke Spanish fluently. Um, I spoke Portuguese fluently, which is similar but very different. Okay. So I really had to go through like a one year process of learning that language, man, and I just poured myself into doing that. Gotcha. So why why did you choose say the city that you landed in again? Querétaro. So why exactly did you land there? Um, because uh, the context that we had, uh, my wife's uh, family. My wife's name is Rachel. Um, her family uh, were missionaries with this particular organization. It's ca- it was called Central America Mission at the time. It's now called Camino Global, and they just merged with Avant. So that's kind of unnecessary information. But <laughs> um, they were working in that area, and we had connections with them through her family. So we were able to connect in, and they said, man, we have a huge need to plant a church in this particular location. Would you guys be willing? And we were like, yes. Yes. This is, so mm-hmm. what year was this? 2000? 2000, 2001 at this point or still 2000? 2000, yeah. Okay. When we went down, it was 2000. So you went there at church plant, right? You planted a church. We started, we started just by moving into the community that we were going we to attempt to plant in, and we just started going out and meeting people, getting to know people, making friends, finding out how the neighborhood worked, asking lots of questions, starting to share the gospel with people, getting people interested in Bible studies, studying the Bible, and little by little bringing people to Christ. How did you feel like the reception was from the local people? Um, Were they it, looking at you like, who's this crazy white guy? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, at first, uh, you know, you got to learn your culture. You got to learn your people. You got to learn what, the, what they're thinking and how they are. And, and, and uh, what we didn't realize is that going down there and labeling ourselves as Christian was probably the worst thing we could do because people immediately put you in the box and gave you the boot as far as possible. And so, um, you know, we had to learn how to approach people with the topic of spirituality and the Bible. Um, but once we got that figured out, then we fit in. People really accepted us, and uh, it, it, we're real relational, so we connected. Yeah. You seem like a pretty relational guy. I'm already friends with you. We've been together yeah. for 10 minutes. <laughs> I love friendship. What's the spiritual culture like down there, the climate? They're, Mex- they're, they're spiritual they're pretty uh, spiritual people, right? Like the Mexican culture? Yes. Mexican culture is a spiritual culture. Um, it is a Catholic or an animistic, anim, animist, animistic, 
I don't know the word, but I'll take your word for it. It's animism. So um, worshiping stone and moon and stars and all that stuff. Because that comes from their uh, that comes from their indigenous background wh- that Mexico has, the Catholicism comes from them when the Spaniards the came over yeah. 500 years before, did their conquering, took all the gold and uh, forced everybody to become Catholic by the sword. So everybody became Catholic in name. It's a good way to spread a religion. Yeah, they became Catholic in name, (laughs) but they kept all this animism as part of their belief system. So Mexico has a lot of that, you know, and people, yeah, tend to be spiritual. Okay. Because, like, I don't know. I've never been to Mexico, but I feel like when I watch TV or if I watch a show, it looks like there's always, like, candles up and they're praying and stuff like that. I didn't know if that was actually real or if that's just, like, Hollywood exaggeration. No, it's it's real, yeah. And, and, you know, they've got a lot of different kinds of celebrations that incorporate the two things, the Catholicism with the... uh, with the animism, like uh, the Day of the yeah, Dead the and all that kind of stuff, it's really, really big, yeah. Okay. All right. And so you land in that environment. Um, how long does it take—talk about, like, the, the process of, like, you arrive, you're building these relationships, trying to interact with people in the community. What's the process like, and how long does it take before you feel like we actually planted a church? Yeah, that's a really good question. That was a whole learning process for us, but— um, our strategy was, and we always believe that it is God's word that is powerful to change people. It's not my words or anybody else's. God's word is powerful. No the, doubt. The gospel is power, God's <laughs> power for salvation. So the first thing that we did is we always challenged people to, do, to, to have an interest in finding out why their creator, who they're going to have to stand before someday, made such an effort to give them a, a, a full book loaded with information about him and themselves, and were they not curious about what it said? Hmm. And so people would say, yeah, I've always has, I always have wondered, but I, we were always taught that we couldn't understand it. Yeah. And so we would help people understand that God gave us his word because he wanted us in it. And so we would challenge people to take on a, the challenge of reading through the book of John, and we would accompany them yeah. and give them a little study to ask questions along the way. I'm reading through John right now with this... Uh A.W. Pink commentary. It's 1,200 pages. Wow. <laughs> I've been reading in John for pretty, I'm pretty devoted to it, and I've been in it for months, and I'm only like yeah. halfway through. It's an incredible book. It's an amazing book. And I've read it so many times, but I had never read it to this depth. Spectacular. Yeah. That's the book, really, we, we choose to use to introduce people to, to God's Word, because that's what the book was written for. You know, yeah. At the end of the book, it says, and many other signs Jesus did in the presence of his disciples. But these are written so that you may know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son yeah. of God, and believing in his name, you may have life. Yeah, because of all the Gospels, John's the one that highlights his deity the most. The pink, the one I'm reading to, he's yeah. always highlighting that. How yeah. like A lot of times, John will come in, and he's made, these people have probably heard these stories before, maybe even in other Gospels, yeah. but he's like hammering home Christ's deity when you read this. like It's unmistakable right. of like, he is... He is the one. You he can't miss one. it. Yep. Yeah. That's it's, right. it's, it's a pretty awesome book. And so basically by doing that, um, we would set up studies with people who were interested in spiritual things. We're interested in finding out what God's Word had to say. And we would follow them through the process, walk with them as they went through the book of John. And at almost always, at some point along the way, there came a point at which they have to make a decision. And they would make a decision either for Christ or that they weren't, they weren't that interested. And so those, that was the process that we used to start uh, winning people to Christ. And then as soon as, we would, as soon as that happened, we would move to an, a brand new event, uh, discipleship course that we had available to us that was very good 
for people. So if someone says, I'm following Christ, you're like, immediately you're in this discipleship plan. Yeah. So the question is, okay, now that I am a child of God, um, the King of Kings, and he's adopted me into his house, how should I live? It's a freaking huge thing. Yeah, it's a huge change. You know, I've gone from the gutters in the street, you know, and all the dirt and grime and grime and slop down there, and now I am a child of the king. I've I've got new clothes. I'm dressed differently. But how do I how do I live as a child of the king? That's a huge conversation we're having here because the church keeps growing. Thing, it's been awesome that it's kind of exploded in the last five or ten years. But now we have so many people coming and meeting Jesus, and they probably are brand. A lot of them are brand new followers, and it's like. Okay, now what? Like, yeah. what does that even mean? Like, Jeff, I hear what you're saying. I, I did pray, and I I believe that I'm a sinner and that Christ saved me. Yeah. What in the world do I do now? And in a church this size, it's not an easy thing to step into that's to that right. of, like, pulling them in. And so that like, we just— It's got to be very intentional. I'm, like, really passionate about. We've been—my buddy Nate Rail, he's probably one of my best friends here, just trying to figure that out for, like, men. What does that look like? That's so cool. You just, like, yeah. you make a decision. You're in the discipleship wing right away. So then, what we, that's awesome. so as I wish time, we could do that. We got to figure out a way to do that. We're there trying. Is, We're trying. There is. You, and you guys are doing good. Yeah. I mean, I know Grace pretty well because we've been working together with you guys for some time now. And I see a lot of results. You know, we see people coming to Christ and we see them come down to Mexico and we'll see them, you know, one year and then two yeah. years later they come back down and man, they're a whole different person. And we're going, okay, you know, that's they're cool. growing. Yeah. yeah. So I, one thing I really love about Grace is. I love the the clarity and the simplicity of your mission statement in a certain sense. Uh, know it, live it, and give, give it, it away. I use that a lot. Yeah, you know, you, I, I, I get, a tat- that. get a tattooed on your chest. <laughs> Maybe I should. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have any tattoos. But I guess getting back to your question, how long does it take? So it's a process, man, to be able to start from scratch, um, win people to Christ. We don't believe in going around and grabbing people who are already Christians. We're here to win new people to Christ. And then to disciple them into maturity in Christ, that takes time. So yeah. um, we basically spent seven, seven, seven and a half years until we got to a place where there was actually leadership in the church that could take and carry the church forward. And we felt at that point it was time for us to move on. Okay. So you move on. So what does that next step look like? The next step was saying, Lord, what is it? what exactly is it that you have for us? Where do you, how do you want to use us? We were, we're blessed in that we have some really great relationships with some good pastors here in the States that kind of walked through that process knowing who we were, and everybody was in agreement with our spirit that instead of us going out and planting a new church, what we needed to do is we needed to start coming alongside of pastors who were planting churches and help them to succeed. Yeah. Help them to succeed and not wallow. So is that how you started Shoulder to Shoulder? Did you just—I guess I would—I'd love to hear how, you, how this actually, like, launched— so you, you kind of get in this vibe of like, this is what we want to do. Did shoulder to shoulder just be like, yep, this is what we're doing. We created it. Or how does, no. I mean, I'm sure that's not what happened. So yeah. how does that actually come to be? So basically, um, we get clarity on what the Lord is calling us to do. Which now is come is where, around and engage around the pastors of Mexico yes, and help them. Exactly. Um, and so, and, and then the question is where? Yeah. And so through different circumstances, the Lord takes us over to the west coast of Mexico, and Mazatlan becomes the place that we get settled into. Um, we actually start working further south originally in the Puerto Vallarta area, and we start working with pastors down there. This was a whole learning process for us, and, and, and it was, I think it was very intentional on God's part to have a start there, 
because we learned a lot of the pitfalls. We learned a lot of the things that we needed to know in order to be ready to launch in a more formal way. So we spent a number of years doing that, learning, failing, improving, um, growing. And we get to the point where um, I was faced with a decision. I love business. And we've, uh, my wife and I have started various companies and we've been pretty successful at doing it and we enjoy that. And we got to a place where we said, now we've been in ministry for quite some time. We've, we've had some real successes, some failures. And we're at a crossroads because we had a really great business opportunity present itself. And so for about a month, I really struggled. So do I walk away and, and go ahead into business or do we stick with this and go for a full blast long haul yeah. to the end of our, end of our lives? And I, I struggled for about a month, and in that month, there came a point where the Lord gave me absolute clarity. You are to serve me with your life in Mexico in the, on the mission field. How'd you get that clarity? What did that feel like? It felt great when I got it. Yeah. It wasn't so great when I didn't because, I, I mean, I had, a, I had a pull both ways. I love yeah. both things, you know. I'm an evangelist at heart. I love sharing Christ. I can do that anywhere. Um, but it's just, uh, so it came down to, it came down to this question. Could I live? Could I live with walking away from the ministry and saying that's that's it, and wondering what what would God have done yeah. if I would have gone all the way? Um, and then the other question, the other other direction: Could I live with walking away from business and saying what could have been if I had been super successful? Yeah. And what I couldn't live with was wondering what God would have done with us in ministry. And it became so clear to me that, it, that we had to go. Yeah. And so that's when Shoulder to Shoulder was actually launched. Gotcha. God, God brought all the things together. He brought us some partners. He opened doors, and that's when we launched. Gotcha. That makes sense. Okay, so um, when does – that center you guys have is so cool looking. When, do, when does that end of the picture? How do you get that? So we're, we're, we're going forward, we're growing, we're, we're reaching out, we're growing partnerships in the States, uh, churches that will come down and partner with us to help us meet, you know, fulfill what so we're there like to what, do. That's, I guess we could take a little tangent on that. So, so when we say like Grace partners with you guys, so how, I think one of the things that I'm always trying to educate the listeners on, because I have to educate myself on it before I can even come on here, right. which is one of the parts of this, these podcasts is that I, I really enjoy is getting to understand some of the stuff that the church is doing. Because for us, it's... Like a lot of us know that we're doing things all over the place, that Grace is involved and we're yeah. partnering, but I don't think a lot of us even understand what that means or, or like what we're actually doing. So when we say that Grace Church is partnering with you, what all does that mean? So, okay, so the church was given a mandate by Jesus. Jesus said, go into all the earth and preach the gospel. Um, you know, he also talked about going first to your Jerusalem, then Judea, to your Samaria, Samaria and then yeah. uh, in Judea and Samaria, and then into the uttermost parts of the earth. So I think the church is taking seriously the mandate that Jesus left. left. So grace is involved in all of those areas. Grace is very involved in its own family. It's involved in its, in its Jerusalem. It's involved in its Samaria. And so it's stepping out and being involved in the uttermost parts of the earth. The problem is, for most churches, is, is that the uttermost parts of the earth is a long ways away. It's yeah. another culture. It's another language. It's completely something completely foreign to them as a church. So how do we accomplish that? The best way to accomplish is that accomplish that is to partner with another ministry that is actually doing that in that location. And if you see that your vision and your mission and, 
everything meshes together, um, then it's easy to work together. Yeah. And so in that partnership, grace helps us fulfill the mission that we have there in, in Mazatlan, Mexico, and we mesh very well together. How did you, how did you meet, how did this partnership come to be? Um, it was through a guy, right? It was through a guy, yes. What, what's his name? I've never met um, him, Bazone. Uh, no, I, I met Grace. Uh, I actually met Joe Caruso. So you um, met Joe. Yes, I met Joe. Joe's nice As guy. a referral from a, another pastor by the name of Steve Marshall. Okay. And Steve Marshall was a pastor in a church here in the, in, in the local area called Maranatha Bible Church. Okay. But Steve and I had gone to Moody Bible Institute many years ago together at the same time. We won't say how many years. That was a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he had followed our minute. At some point, again, we reconnected, and he was very much in, in agreement with and believed in the ministry that we had. He was a part of helping us formulate our strategy and vision and everything. And so he knew Joe, and he, he thought, man... Um, they would mesh well together. So he introduced us, and then Joe took an exploratory trip down to Mexico to uh, visit us and to see the ministry and to just feel it out. And at that point's where God really kind of confirmed we needed to at least start working together, and, and since cool. then it's just grown. That's cool. And so the way that we partner with you guys, it's financially, correct? Financially, yep. So We're supported by we, Grace. We help support, mm-hmm. and then um, the trips, right? That's, That's correct. a big part of it. So. I had, like, I'd always heard um, people be like, yeah, I'm going down to Mazalan or whatever. And I didn't even really understand the connection. I was like, oh, that must be a place that Grace just likes to send people, like, yeah. for a mission trip. Because um, I knew some families, like, Rodman's went down there and yeah. the, Dol- the Dolans went down there and stuff. Um, and so then I kind of looked into, like, that's a big part of what you guys do there. It is a big part. Um, so they come, so I want to talk about that. So they come and st- stay, which I brought up a couple times at, at your, like, your Our facility. Your facility there. Mm-hmm. Um, how long have you had that place? Um, actually, it's only been... So actually, uh, November 23rd, in about a month... About a month. Uh-huh, we are going to have our formal dedication and celebration of God's incredible provision and goodness of this ministry facility. So it hasn't even been dedicated yet. Wow. Um, we started using it as soon as it was possible to start using yeah. it, even while it was in construction. So this, uh, this ministry center has been in construction for two and a half years. Okay. Um, and uh, when so, we started... It's a long time. It is a long time, but it's a big place. Yeah. I mean, it is big. It's yeah. super cool. And okay. it felt like forever, yeah, I got to tell sure you. Yeah, it did. So when we started this, uh, when we started this uh, project, um, we didn't have the money, and we had no idea where the money was going to come from. God just told us to do it. Um, and uh, he started opening doors. And at no point along the way in the construction of this, uh, during the two and a half years of time, at no point along the way did we have the resources to finish until the very end. And so it's just a show of God's faithfulness. When we're doing what he's called us to do, he's going to provide what we need to accomplish it. And so it was a matter of confirming this is what God wants us to do. Why the ministry facility? Um, you know, as we're bringing groups down to, to partner and work together with us in the local churches, um, we had the issue of, okay, how do we house them? Yeah. Where do we put them? And that was always a problem. Homes, hotels, this and that. So prior to the center, that's kind of, you were doing we the were missionary doing housing. Absolutely. Or not the missionary, the, the, the trips. short-term trips, and you were just kind of finding places. Yeah, and food and yeah. transportation. That'd and so hard. as we're going, we have these needs, and we're like, Lord, if this is going to grow, 
we need to have stability. We need to be able to set our own schedule so that we can work with our churches and, and, and get them in there so that they can be in a safe place while they come down and work, so that they can eat food that's healthy and nourishing, so that they can rest at the end of the day. And so uh, I, it was the Lord's plan, obviously, because there it is. Yeah, it's it's spectacular. It is. All right, so let's talk about it a little bit. So how big is this place? Um, it houses 60 people? Is that what it It houses do? 60 people. It can sleep 60 yeah, people. We can house 60 people, or maybe a little bit more if we yeah. uh, pack it in. Um, the the back building is a four-story building currently. It's got the capability of six. We, we may in the future, if the Lord says to do it, we may go two more. Um, if we do, we have to put an elevator in, so that's okay. a costly thing. But yeah. no, uh, we got four stories in the back, which is all basically housing um, and a kitchen. And we got a big kitchen. Um, we got a n- really nice pool between our two buildings um, so that people can relax and enjoy themselves yeah. during their off hours. Um, and then on the front side is a big open area, very high ceilings, wide open, big, wide. And it's there because we want to be able to have uh, conferences. We want to have pastor's breakfasts and uh, women's retreats and things like that. So we need an area where we can bring a lot of people in and have those conferences and it be adequate. Um, above that is our the director's residence. So we actually are currently now living on site. We live on the facility. You and um, your wife and your kids. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, when I was looking at the picture, so when you're like, all right, there's like a missionary center, I'm thinking, all right, let's see what this thing looks like. And I click on these pictures, I'm like, that thing looks brand new. That it thing is beautiful. Right. <laughs> and it is. Turns out it is. That's why I thought it looked so good. Um, that's cool, though. So, I mean, I feel like, Listen, we live in the United States, so when we hear Mexico, if I'm being totally honest, half of our culture immediately thinks of the cartels, and we're like, okay, yeah. am I going to die if I go down yeah. there? But it sounds like you guys have a very safe environment, and I yes. read about that on your website, where you're like, we're, everything we've done is to try to build this to be as safe of a place as we can offer, right. and stuff like that, for when families come down, that that's not something we should have to worry about, right. um, which is important. Yeah, and the, and the reality is, is we on a regular basis have parents, for example, if there's a youth team coming down, we have parents that are very concerned about the safety of their kids because they do see all these things uh, on the news, and it is very impactful. Um, the situation down there is real. There, is, there, there are significant issues. But um, in all of the years that we've been there, 20 years that we've been in Mexico, we have never experienced a single issue. Um, there are a variety of reasons for that. One is God's protection. Yeah. We're serving the King of Kings, and we're doing what he's calling us to do. He's going to protect us. Number two, we don't get involved in things that we're not supposed to get involved with and people that we're not supposed to get involved with. Number three, um, we're always working with uh, respected pastors and people in the communities, and they all know that we're coming in to serve in their communities, and they love us. They love us. They They want to watch out for us. They want to protect us. So We've got like a triple whammy of protection yeah. going on. And I mean, in, in, in the 20 years that we've had people coming down, we've had thousands, literally thousands of people come down and serve, and we have never had a single incident. It's not because we're so great. It's the grace of God and being wise and God giving us favor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I want to talk about um, those short-term mission trips, like what those look like. Before we do that, I want to talk about like what's going on on a daily basis for you guys if if say there's not even the short-term stuff going on, like how are you guys just trying to impact the local pastors and how are you trying to train those up? Um, so 
you have you, your wife, your family. You got some other people. You've got like interns. I was reading about summer interns. You got other staff. I'm assuming we do have other staff. So yes. like how how many we need we need more staff. Need more staff <laughs> yes, right that is, is our is this thing that on? Is, yeah <laughs> yeah uh, tap tap. Listen, okay. anybody listening? Um, that is probably one of our biggest needs and prayer requests right now. Is we need people. We need human resources because our ministry has gone to a point where the staff that we have we're slammed up against the ceiling of what we can do and we need help. And so we're praying that the Lord will raise up people that can be prepared to come down. Like bilingual, can speak some Spanish probably? It would, be, it would definitely be best. Yeah. Either that or they can learn really fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we can put, if there's people that are committed to being on the mission field, they can go to language school and spend the first year learning the language. I mean, that's what most missionaries usually do when they go to a foreign field. Uh, so that's not a problem. But obviously, if you have the language, it's better. We're praying that God will raise up people that can come down and kind of plug in to help us really be able to, to expand our ministry and grow it. So we're, right now, you were asking about what's a kind of a daily type, type thing. Yeah, like how, many, like how many people do you have on staff and like kind of what are you guys doing daily? Like how many churches are you involved in trying to help out and stuff? Um, our, our staff is really five people. And then we have some hired nationals that will do things around the, the facilities to help us maintain them and so forth. Um, so there's five of us that are, that are working as full-time staff um, at Shoulder to Shoulder. Uh, one of them is a gal from here, Bethany Fabig. Yep, um, so she's been down there for like a year, almost 16 months, I thought. Yeah, a year and a half. So she was a summer intern, correct? She, well, first she came down on a couple of missions, short-term okay. missions teams, like a lot of people do. Um, and in that... In that, she felt called. Um, so she made a commitment for a year and a half. She says, hey, and she did some inter- internships. And then she says, I, uh, I want to commit for a short period, or, um, uh, so, period so of time. So she's from Grace. She's I, from Grace. I, I've never met her, but I was informed about her. Yeah. Um, and so she just came down, like you said, for a couple trips. Then she committed to the internship. And then she's committed to stay Longer, so correct? So then she did a, a year and a half. And she, is she still down there? Is she So her year and a half her year and a half commitment came to an end and that year and a half was so that she could hear confirmation from the Lord from us as a ministry all the way around whether that's what she was supposed to do with her life. And so she has re upped indefinitely now. That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, she's she's full on shoulder to shoulder. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, we're 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 ecstatic to have her. Okay, so what are you guys doing on a daily basis? Like I want to talk about, like I said, I want to talk about the mission trips and stuff, but like just you guys, like what what are you, what is Shoulder to Shoulder doing for these churches on a daily basis? Like how are you trying to grow and equip these pastors yeah. and set their churches up to succeed and stuff? Right. So, that, I mean, that is just this wide open door. As wide as you can spread your arms, there's things that we can do with them to help them. Every church is different. Every pastor is different. Everyone is in a different kind of a community and in a different place in their development or not development. And so um, w- one of the first things that has to happen is, is I meet with the pastors, and I try to meet with them as often as I can because everything we do revolves around relationship. The deeper the relationship with the pastor and the leaders, the more effective we're going to be because there, there's going to be a relationship of respect and yeah. honor and they're going to see the value that we can bring, and we're going to see that they're actually paying attention, that they're actually taking what we can give, applying it, and, and, uh, and, and having their church grow and impact their neighborhood. So relationship is super important. I meet with the pastors on a regular basis. In fact, when, just before I came down um, uh, Saturday, I, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, 
I had 12 meetings with 12 different pastors in three days. It's busy. Just following up and pushing them forward to keep the, keep the steps going. So I do mentoring. I do uh, counseling. I do encouragement. I do challenging with the pastors and the leaders. And then, you know, with all the things that are going on throughout the year with groups coming down and so forth, there's a huge amount of planning and preparation that happens ahead of time. Uh, to get the groups down? Or yeah, to do, to, yeah. So when the, when the group comes down and, and we plug them in with the church, um, there's a ton that goes on before they ever hit the ground. Uh, one of our values at STS is excellence. We believe that everything that we do, we should do with excellence because our God is a God of excellence. And so that's a characteristic that we need to reflect. If we're going to do an excellent job so that the trip is really meaningful and impactful and God can work in the lives of those going down, and those that are down there that are receiving the team also receive the same benefits and God can work and um, motivate them and encourage them in their walk, it has to be well-planned and well-prepared. Otherwise, it's just, um, okay, we fly by the seat of our pants. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we get down there. There's 20 guys. Well, we might have a hole to dig tomorrow. That doesn't work out too well, you know, on either side. So we spend a lot of time in preparation, planning, uh, spend a lot of time in relationship developing on the U.S. side, too, not only on the Mexico side, because our partners are on both sides. You know, Grace is one of our partners. You've got a bunch we, of other churches. We've got, uh, yeah, we've got other, um, other partners, and we're continually looking to grow those partnerships gotcha. and expand them because God's opening the doors. We're working with 12 churches currently That's awesome. down there in Mexico. Do you feel like, do you feel, are you the only one that meets with the pastors on the staff? Um, sometimes uh, one of our other they partners... Ma- I'm assuming they're all male pastors. They are. Okay. Yeah. Um, currently. Yeah. Um, and we work with uh, four, four or five different denominations, too. So we're not le- le- really plugging in and saying, okay, we're working with this one denomination. Uh, we're working with the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. We're working with uh, people who are born again, children of God. They're our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we want to help everybody at whatever level we can help them grow and uh, fulfill their vision. What was your question? Well, like, so I was wondering, do you feel like you could use help, like, meeting with these pastors? Is it all on oh, you? Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. Like, I you, like if help. I could have a, have a partner that came on with us, like a, another guy to help share this where I'm not having absolutely. 12 meetings with 12 different pastors. Absolutely. Would be, That's just one of the areas that, yeah. I, that we have need. But that is absolutely one an area that we have need. Um, you know, I'm not getting younger. I'm, I'm, How old are you? I'm 62. Yeah. Uh, and you know, you, you got to face the reality that, that you were, I'm not eternal. You know, yeah. my, my life is going to come to an end. And if this ministry is going to continue and is going to flourish and thrive, there have got to be others who come up and start taking, stepping into the roles that I'm playing and take them and run with them and go further than I did. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so that's one of the things, that's one of the reasons for saying, Hey, we need, we need help because God is going to raise up some people to step in and really take uh, shoulder to shoulder to an, another level in the future. Yeah. And so, yes, I need uh, I need those who are going to come alongside of me and, and go with me and learn, and I can train up, and they can help me with that because as we grow, 12 is a lot. Yeah, 12 is a lot. I'm stretched. And if we grow anymore, I mean, I, I need more help. And that's just one area. We, need, we have need for... Uh, somebody who can come down and be our plant, uh, our plant f- or facility maintenance guy. Um, it's a big, it's a big installation, and it constantly yeah. needs to be being taken care of so that it doesn't deteriorate. Um, along with that, he could be involved in all of the projects that we do. You know, we're building homes, we're 
building churches and adding on to churches. We're doing all kinds of different projects that require hands-on kind of guy. And so we're looking for somebody like that. Uh, we're looking for people that are administrative or financial. I mean, you know, when we have funds coming in, we've got to give an account for those. We've yeah. got to organize. We've got to manage them well, so that so that we have transparency and have a, a clean reputation, and we accomplish what those funds were for. So we have we have needs in a lot of areas, and we're just praying that God will bring the right people at the right time. Yeah, that's cool. Let me ask you this: How old were your your two sons when you guys moved to Mexico? Two and five. How are they? Do they know any different? Do they love it? Was it hard for them? Do, like, was your oldest even, like, at five? I mean, I, I guess my oldest daughter's five should be six soon. She would notice, like, what just happened. Yeah. Like, what was that like taking kids and all of a sudden your life's completely different? It's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice on the part of everybody. All, everybody in the family sacrifices to some degree. Um, you know, when you go, you leave everything you know. You leave your language, you leave yeah. your culture, what you understand. You, uh, you leave your family and your friends. Um, you leave your security blankets, everything. And you go down there and you start over, you know. And so for them, it's, it's a very real, real and challenging experience for them, too. Uh, missionary kids are very um, unique uh, kids, people. Yeah. Um, my boys the are MKs, adults They now. call them yeah, the MKs, MKs, right? Yeah, missionary kids. Some of them come back and go off the rails. <laughs> yeah, they do. Um, and that, that, that was obviously a very big concern for us. I'm sure We it was. wanted to do things in such a way that our boys would have great memories of their life on the field. They obviously would have the other side where they know they missed out on certain things and that maybe they're a little bit different than their peers up here in the States now. And that's true. But I think that God gave us enough wisdom to know how to raise them that um, there's a balance in there. Yeah. How So it's Daniel and Joshua. How are they again, you said? 24 and 21. So where are they at right now? My oldest, Daniel, is in Dallas. Um, he graduated from Laterno University with a degree in— Is that an engineering school? In, in, yeah, yeah, it's in My Christian cousin's a genius, school. Zachary. If he listens, shout out to Zach. Freaking genius. And he went there for some engineering thing. It's That's a great a, school. It's a great school. It's like there. the number one engineering school— ish number one ish in the country some people might mit might fight that but yeah you know and but it's a, a very lot of nice great school. people that come out yeah. of there and you know and my, uh, my oldest he's he's brilliant in that area and you know that kind of thing he's uh he so he he's still a, there or did he graduate no he graduated a year and a half ago okay and he's in dallas still yeah working? he is he's currently working with um a toyota corporation uh new upstart it's a company they started it's called toyota connect and what they're doing is they're developing all of the technologies for the future. And so what a he's cool a, job, oh, man. Oh, I know. He loves it. Does he call you and be like, Dad, you're not going to be working Oh, on. yeah, I know. I hear all be, kinds of stuff. You're going to be flying in, in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. The ideas they're coming up with are amazing. And, you know, it's really interesting. He is uh, – they, they're very progressive in there. They, they view their employees as real assets, and so they try to – they try to give them the freedom of creativity and all kinds of things That's to cool. try to get them the best out of them. Yeah. And they're, uh, my, my son is currently preparing for what they call a hackathon. So they got all their engineers and, and programmers and everybody coming up with uh, new ideas um, that for the future and uh, pulling teams together to build software and programs and yeah. stuff that are going to answer problems for in the future. And so he's working on a secret one right now that's, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Cool. Yeah, that's if awesome he solves that problem, I'm telling you, it's going to be revolutionary. Yeah. That's <laughs> I don't cool think I'm too. supposed to say anything. Nah, that's all right. We'll <laughs> leave it alone. I was reading. This is random, but whatever. I was reading a book um, talking about like how good companies uh, view their employees as assets, and uh, 
this, I forget what company, it was a Chinese company, but he, the guy was saying that at, he wanted his people to feel like their voice actually mattered. So you're invited into a meeting. It's not like, hey, I'm the boss. Whatever I say goes, right. and your stuff matters. So when he would open the floor to ideas, he would always go first and he would say the most absurd, like <laughs> ludicrous <laughs> like thing he could possibly say just so that the barrier in people's minds of like, broken. oh, I can't say that. It's absurd. He would yeah. say something that he knew there was no chance they would yeah. ever do, but yeah. it was hit. And then he said people would just be like, oh, I can say whatever's on my yeah. mind. Now. That's cool, though. <laughs> that you're, good. Your son's uh, in a spot like that. So yeah. do you think he'll ever end up on the missions field or you think he's loving what he's doing? He's, I mean, I, God, I could end up on the mission field. Right. I hope if God calls me tomorrow, yeah. I would God hope it. I would be faithful God is sovereign. We don't know, obviously, but I think that he's really in, in his place. He's in a sweet spot. Um, I think he'll probably continue down the line the, the course that he started. That's kind of the, the course that God's got for him. That's cool. Um, I don't foresee, and I hope he's not listening to me say that, but uh, I don't foresee him being on the field. Yeah, what about your other son? My Joshua. younger son is actually currently with us uh, in Mazatlan right he's now. He's living in the center um, with you guys. He's living there, and what he does is he's working with us. So he's in our, he's in our offices and he is—he oversees our financial, our fin- all of our financial uh, movements, commitments. He does all of our budgeting for us. He creates all the spreadsheets. He he verifies that the funds that come in are actually spent where they're supposed to be spent. Um, he's our transparency and our accountability guy, and so he is doing such a valuable, valuable job that we needed somebody for badly. And uh, we love what he's doing. So we're hoping that he's going to continue on. Joshua, if you're listening, <laughs> we need you for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> we need a 10-year commitment right now. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about um, – I want to talk about the mission trip. Because okay. I think uh, if people are listening, that's going to be a, a way that they – a lot of the people listening, this would be this would be the avenue that they would be able to be Absolutely. involved in shoulder to shoulder. Um, this is something I hope to do one day with my kids. So we're, we're heading to six, four, and, and one and a half here. Wow. Um, so we're not there yet yeah. to probably be able to make this happen. But Tanya and I have talked about this, about like what an op- awesome opportunity to, to like come down and do some mission stuff as a family. And definitely, I, I, I definitely want to make this happen. Um, the other thing is we're, we've talked about like trying to save that when my oldest is getting ready to go to college, we, we want to go to Israel as a family like wow. the summer before cool. and be like, all right, you want to see Jesus real? Let's go see yeah. it. And now you're going to college. Yeah. That, what a cool thing. That never be been cool. there. I'd love to go. I've never been there either. <laughs> yeah. I would give anything for I it. I w- I've had so many friends and cousins and I see these pictures of people like on the sea and well, I'm just like, I can't even imagine I what know. it would be like to, to take your Bible over there. I think I'd be crying about, half oh, the time. I, I, it would be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I, I would be unbelievable. My uh, cousin's a pastor up in... Uh, up in Pennsylvania, and uh, he took his twelve-year-old, and and he would post pictures, and he's like, "This is," he's like, "This story will seem totally different to him as he reads his Bible now." Absolutely, about, you know, it, I'm sure it'd be life-changing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right, we, sorry, we I got believe the missions trips for people coming down are life-changing. I too, believe that you know? too. I mean, we've seen it over and over. So yeah. anyway, go ahead with your. So, all right, so um, so I want to talk about what that looks like. Mm-hmm. So I would say, all right, Ben's family wants to. We're connected with Grace. Grace is taking a trip down, which they do a few times a year. Um, my family of fives coming down. What do I, what what does that look like? What am I signing up for? What do I what is in store for me for this eight day trip? Um, so normally Grace, for example, would have a whole um, preparation process for everybody that's going to go on a missions trip. Um, they'll have different meetings. They'll give all of the information about what's required to go, the finances, the um, if there's. Um, if there's uh, vaccinations or whatever that need to happen, normally to Mexico, you don't have to have vaccinations. That's great because I don't <laughs> like shots. <laughs> um, and, 
And so then they have a process of preparing and training, and we've worked with Grace to try to develop something that will actually prepare people for going down. Our goal is, is that when you come down, um, two things happen. Number one, God do an amazing thing in you to change your life forever from that point on um, in, a, in a way that he wants to in your life. Um, we've found that missions trips tends to be a, a, a time, a door that, that God opens up and uses to really do something special in people's lives. Um, and so that's one. The other is, is you get prepared to be able to minister to the people that are down there. You prepare for the culture that you're going to step into, for the projects that you're going to do, so that as you go down, and when you go down, it's not this massive shock that leaves you unprepared for a few days. Yeah, you kind of know where you're stepping. You kind of you, you, so yeah. you would have like, hey, you know what project you're even stepping into before you land. Most of the time, That's you cool. will have a very clear idea of what you're going to do through the whole week because we make up a schedule, and you guys will know pretty much. Sometimes it's a little iffy on some spots, but usually you're going to know what you're doing yeah. when you go down. Yeah. That's cool because we're planners. Yes, absolutely. Our <laughs> well, culture that is important. We are planners. Yeah. Okay, and so those so come down, um, and then usually they stay for what five six days, a good day or two for travel on each end, probably one day for travel on each end. Five six days they're staying at the center, working with other people um, in the church because usually a few families that go, and then whatever needs you have in the local churches, like that's what they're just going to step into for a week. Is that right? Well, we usually depending on the depending on the group that's coming down, we usually try to plug um, you into a specific church. And what we do is beforehand, we say, okay, what kind of a group is coming down from Grace? Is it families? Is it children? What kind of, who, what are their abilities? What are the things they can do? We don't want to plan a construction trip for a, a group yeah. of children that are coming down. It just yeah. doesn't make sense. So we need to know who's coming down and what their giftings and abilities are. We take that into account, and then we think we're, we're meeting with the church, and we're saying, what is the most effective thing that we can do to help you take the next step forward? What is the most effective thing that we can do to encourage your body in Christ so that, that, that when we leave, when this group leaves, you guys are encouraged in your faith, ready to move on and, and impact your community? And so based on those things, we build a plan. We usually like to try to incorporate various things into every trip. We feel like evangelism is a very important aspect. So you need to experience and do some evangelism. We feel like working with children is a very uh, impactful event both on both sides. So we usually try to do something with children. We do Bible distribution. We try to put that into every, every trip as well because that's super impactful, both sides. Uh, we usually do some sort of mercy-type mercy, uh, mercy type project, helping people. We'll do some sort of pro, uh, construction, renovation, repair, some sort of a mercy project with either a family or uh, at a center. Um, oftentimes, there is also a short time where you're involved in what the church is doing in the community, which would be either like a, a, um, a rehab center or a center for women or um, a, a place where people on the street can come in and get a breakfast, can get the word of God uh, yeah. shared with them, things like that. So that's kind of the that's kind of the the basic shell of what you will experience when you go on a when you go on a trip, the things that you'll be involved in, and then at the very end we have this blowout, uh, free, uh, have fun vacation day. Oh, that's cool! Like hit yeah. the beach. Do you hit is the, it beach. Close to the beach? Oh yeah, I, I haven't looked at it on a map. Our 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 ministry facility is one block off the beach. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's amazing. That's a cool place for God to direct you to be. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we couldn't have asked for better. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So then, 
you kind of get a day to relax and stuff with your family as well. And yes, stuff. absolutely. So we, we, we know that that also is a, an important piece yeah. of, of it. And so we want that to be there. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you this. So I'll try to get you out of here soon. Um, you got a busy day tomorrow. Oh, I'm loving it. Um, what kind of vision you have going forward for what would you like to accomplish maybe in the next two, three, four, five years that, that you feel like you haven't quite got to, or how would you like to see your, your, your ministry expand in Mazatlan? First, I'd like to see the pastors and churches that we are currently working with get to the place where they are truly thriving mm -hmm. and truly impacting their community in a very profound way. I would love to see and participate with a few of those churches um, in the multiplication process um, to plant new churches. So I'd love yeah. to walk along with uh, a couple of our churches as they get to the place where they've raised up leadership that uh, needs to go out. They've, they've grown to the place where they can send out, and together we go and we actually work, walk with them as they plant a new church. I would love to see that. You know, there's uh, looking forward, you can dream a lot. You know, we dream about the impact that we can have. We have pastors from all different parts of Mexico that are contacting us and saying, you know, my friend, my mm -hmm. pastor friend so-and-so has, has been blessed by your ministry and we need this so badly. Would you consider doing a shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder in such-and-such -such a city, in such-and-such -such a city? Could you come and, and, and work with us here? Some of those, are they just too far away? You're just like, I can't. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we're committed Mexico's to— Mexico's a big— Mexico's huge. It's huge. It is huge. Um, we, we are committed to working in a one-and-a-half-hour, even, even better, one-hour radius yep. of the central part of, of Mazatlan. We feel like that's where we can actually be truly effective with the church and the pastor and, and do what our job is. If we get too much further out than that, then— then they're going to kind of be on the fringes and yeah. not really we not we're not going to really be able to do what we it's need hard to, to disciple someone that lives it in is. Virginia. Yeah, from it's here, too far you know? away. Yeah. So we're committed to an hour max, an hour and a half out, outside a radius of Mazatlan. If we're going to do things in another city, that means at some point along the way we would have to start a new shoulder to shoulder base in another city and work in that city from that location. I'm 62 years old. We still have a long ways to go to get where we want to be in Mazatlan. One of my dreams was is to, is to see Mazatlan, because, partially because of our commitment there, to see Mazatlan be one of the strongest Christian powerhouses in Mexico, and that Mazatlan will become a sending agency uh, that radiates people, you know, that take oh. the gospel out of Mazatlan. It's just like this... You know, we think of a fountain spewing living water. Yeah. Um, that that you know, would be Mazatlan. Mazatlan. Yeah. yeah, that's what I want to see. Mazatlan spewing living water, human resources that are going out and planting elsewhere. That's a dream of mine. I want to see that. And there's so much more to go to get to that place. But, there's, but at the same time, there are people, there are pastors calling from other locations yeah. saying, we need help, we need help. And so our hearts go out to them. But right now, we're not in a place where we can even think yeah. about doing that. That would be a dream for the future. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. Yeah, that would be kind of, <laughs> it's like encouraging and frustrating at yeah, the same exactly, time. Yeah, exactly. Right, what's, what's the hardest part about working with the local pastors? Like, I'm oh. sure some of it's got to be frustrating to you sometimes. Like, yes. what's the hardest, what's the hardest thing you're, you're battling? Um, you know, culture. Our cultures are so different. Um, people are brought up in their culture being 
formed with certain ways of thinking, you know, certain practices and ways of seeing life. Sometimes our culture forms us in ungodly ways, in, in ways that are, that are really not, not helpful to us, you know. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I mean, specifically, there's a lot of things that I, I get frustrated and say, you know, we got to find new ways to help pastors overcome these blockades that keep them from really flourishing. A big one, for example, just I'm just going to give you one example, is the culture in Mexico um, promotes from the time you're really young that if you ever gain a position of authority or power, you protect that for everything you got and that you use that to benefit those who are your family and closest friends. And you see that function all throughout every level of company, government, church, everything. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Jesus showed us servanthood. Yeah. He didn't show us power, power figures. And um, so, you know, that's something, you know, a lot of times the pastors, and they don't even know they're doing this, uh, you know, they want to raise up leadership. If you're going to grow, you got to have leaders that are going to help you do the job. And you got to give them room to grow and to, to function. And as soon as leaders start coming up, the pastors will get a little threatened, and they'll put yeah. their hand on there and bang them down, you know, and to, to protect their place. They don't realize they're doing it. It's they don't even know they're doing it. it. Yeah, and so trying to help them learn and open their eyes and gain a different perspective and see, it's a long process, um, but it's well worth doing because we do see growth in those areas. Um, but I guess that would be one of the things that is uh, frustrating. Yeah, that, that would be frustrating. All right. Um, all right, before we get out of here, you got to give me one crazy story from the Brazilian jungle you grew up on. What's a crazy, give me a crazy missionary kid story. Okay. Um, I got a lot of them, but uh, so, you know, when uh, we lived, we lived on a, we lived right next to a river um, out in the jungle. And in the summertime or in the, in the, in the rainy season, the rivers swell way up and they're full. But in the summertime, when the, when the rains would stop, then the rivers would go down. You'd get these big old sandbars out in the middle of the river. And these are big old rivers. I mean, these are tributaries that are feeding the Amazon, you know. So it could be a mile across or oh, whatever. Oh, that's a big river, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're big rivers. So um, we, would, uh, we would join uh, the mayor of the town, the little town sometime, and go in his boat. And he'd take us out, and we'd go fishing. It'd be an overnight kind of thing because at night the fish bite. So uh, we went on this trip one time. How old are you? I'm 12, I okay. think it was. Yeah. And we went on this trip, and we went way up the river, and we get to the sandbar and decide this is where we're going to stop and hang out. And so everybody gets out, and they're all setting up. And, um, you know, down there, what you would do is you have, a, you have line, just a bunch of line. Um, it's not a, a fishing pole or anything like that. It's just line. And so with a big old, big old hook on it. And so we catch these fish that are about a foot long, maybe a little over a foot long, and cut them in half, and then put this whole half of a fish on these big hooks, and then they get in a canoe and row out into the middle of the river and drop it, and that would sink down to the bottom. And uh, so there's these, there's these big honking fish in in those rivers. I, I mean, guess if you're eating a six-inch fish, you're a huge. No, I mean it's a it's it's more like a foot. You know, a, yeah. a it's a big fish that's yeah. on that hook. I mean, it's a big fish that. We would catch it, and we'd we would like, say, wow, I got a fish. nice yeah, catch here, yeah. you know, and we would have it for dinner. That's what we were using for bait. And so um, they would catch these really, really big, I, I think they were like channel catfish or something. Um, and so 
I, uh, I, I, I wanted to catch my own. So I told my dad, I want my own line. I don't want anybody to help me. Yeah. This is mine, you know. And so they took mine out, and they dumped it down in the middle of the river out there. And you always pull like 10, 12 feet of line and have it back behind you. And they would uh, put these posts down in, in the sand so that, you know, it, if it took the first yeah, hit, it would be, the fish wouldn't escape. And so it gets dark, and it's nighttime, and time is going by. And I'm laying out there on the sandbar. Um, and I'm probably 10 feet away from the water, and they've got this big bonfire, and they're cooking fish, and the guys, the, the Brazilians got their guitars out, and they're singing uh-huh. songs and playing guitar, and I'm laying there. We're out in the middle of nowhere, stars. You, you see I the universe. It's just galore. Yeah. There's, there is no light pollution whatsoever because you're out in the middle of the jungle to begin with, and it's just beautiful, and you hear the river and the, the, the creatures and everything, and I'm just, I'm just laying there just loving it, you know, and I'm thinking, I wonder if I'll ever catch a fish. And so time passes by, and then all of a sudden, I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, my line starts running. And so there's this 12 feet of line behind me, you know, and on the end of it, they've got a kind of like a, a, a little log tied onto it, or kind of like a piece of firewood, you know, a big piece of firewood so that when the line comes to an end, it doesn't just fly out yeah. of your hands. You know, you got something to stop. And so I'm, I'm, laying, on the, I'm laying on the sand in this... Uh, this uh, Oops, I'm getting away from the mic here. I'm getting too excited. Um, this, uh, this fish bites, and it starts running with the line. I'm, I'm like, okay, I remember. I need to let it run. I need to let it run. Uh, so it gets it good. And so I let it run, and I'm counting. And then I, I, I clamp on. And when I clamp on, um, that line just starts burning through my fingers, my hands. I'm clamping on as hard as I can. It's like going shh right through my hands. And I'm like, oh, wow, it's burning, you know, but I'm not going to let that fish go for nothing because this is a big one, buddy. And so I'm laying there on the sand, and all of a sudden, bam, this this wood, this piece of firewood that's on the end of the line comes up and whacks me in the back of my head and in my back, and it yanks me to my feet. I mean, it, it just jerks me up to my feet. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm like this cartoon with my feet sticking out in the sand. You know, you've seen these cartoons, yeah, yeah. these two feet. This guy's got his feet in the sand, and he's being dragged along like that, making yeah. tracks. That's exactly what was happening to me. And I start hollering, you know. And everybody over there, they're, they're watching. They see this happening. And so they start running over to help me. And my dad's like, no, 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 no. Let him be. Let him be. Let him be. And uh, He's so, making you work for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I told him I wanted it to yeah. be mine. You know, I wanted to catch the thing. And so I got, I got a good one. And so it's dragging me down. I get to the edge of the water, and it keeps going. And I start going into the water, and I start panicking. And they won't help me. And so (laughs) I'm hanging on, and it's still dragging me in. They waited until I was just deep in the water hanging on to that fish. I was going all the way in, baby, because I'm not going to let that go before they came out and helped me. And um, by the time we drug it all in there, I mean, my hands were a mess. I spent two weeks with my fingers curled up because of the burns on the... Oh, my goodness. But it was worth it. Yeah. Um, I got pictures of this, and the fish was like six and a half feet long. um, Six and a half feet long? Yeah, six and a half feet long, like uh, 350 pounds. Oh, my goodness. It was massive. Yeah, it it was like the fishing story of a lifetime you know i can't even imagine i caught a shark once and i thought i was going to tear my bicep getting that thing in and that thing was no nowhere near 300 some pounds yeah it, it i mean it was it was just manhandling me yeah. big time you know it's this 12 year old kid yeah. with a fish that big and he was literally dragging me into the river i was not 
I was not gonna. I was not gonna get that yeah. fish that's unless cool. I had a lot of help. Yeah, <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah, that that's one story, and I got a ton more. Um, you know, there are a lot of really uh, wild snake stories too. But those that that'd be for another day. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, yeah. John, I appreciate you coming on, man. It was great. I, I loved our conversation. It was really nice meeting you. I hope um, hope listening, you can kind of get a, a feel for who John is and his energy for life and just the gospel and loving people and it's just been really a pleasure to sit here and talk with you and learn well, learn about you. shoulder to shoulder and yeah. i hope it's something i can come be a part of sometime when my kids I, get a little older i hope so too yeah and I, I would just say for anybody who's listening if you've not experienced a, a trip i would challenge you to go ahead and do it it's a it's a it's a life-changing experience that is well worth doing um it's a part of god's plan that you're being becoming involved in we would love to see you down there uh you'll have a great time and so yeah, thank you for having me, um, and uh, it was a pleasure getting to meet you, too, and maybe we'll do this again sometime. I hope so. All right, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. See Take ya. care.